Oh, man. Thank you. Um, so I got to give some context for what happened this morning. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was up. I was up this morning, and I was, like, kind of grappling through, like, I had some things I wanted to share, but I was kind of grappling through, like, there's something missing, there's something missing, like, what am I missing? Like, God, what are you doing? What, what's going on? And I'm going through that, and my kids are, like, awake and screaming and running around me. I'm like, all right, Lord, what's missing? Fern, I love you, but you're so loud. Like, what, what's missing? And it's like, it's kind of a metaphor, though, for a life in the city, right? It's like, we're seeking him. You don't, you can't just be in this quiet, like, peaceful moment in New York. You got to encounter him in New York. <laughs> so we seek after those peaceful moments, but the reality is we have to develop an intimacy that supersedes the lighting and the, and the, you know, the music and the, and the timing. And it's like, because our life doesn't, doesn't fit that way. And God's speaking all the time. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying to just hear, and I kept hearing courage, courage. I'm springing up courage. I'm welling up courage. And he said, you got to look through your whole notes. I kid you not. I'll show you my iPhone. I'll show you my notes. I'm not making this stuff up. Like, you got to look through your whole notes, and you got to look at it through the eyes of courage. Because what you're, you're teaching and talking about has to evoke courage, because that's what I'm after this morning. I didn't talk to the worship. I didn't talk to Jules. I didn't talk to these people. It's like, I'm telling you, this is how God speaks. It's him speaking. We're not just hitting some nice tune or some nice. It is the spirit of God. And when you're in community and family, you recognize you're not crazy. And you recognize that you can hear. And sometimes you may recognize that you are crazy because somebody will say, hey, that's not the Lord. And it's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but this is the Lord. <laughs> Because I got witnesses. So, um, so all that being said, I, I really, I, I want you to take what I'm sharing today, and I want it to evoke courage in you, in your heart. Um, because that's what he's doing on the earth. Um, and there's a move right now that's happening, and we are a part of it. And, and there's, what I want to talk about today is how we remain a part of it. Like how we go for the long haul. Because there's deliverance breaking out, and people are getting set free, and you're hearing different testimonies right now. How do we remain? How do we, how do we stay the course? And, and that is like, <laughs> Jules just called me Bill. <laughs> and Bill is my spiritual dad, and Bill is my leader and, my, and who I'm following, so I'll take that. But, but it's like, how do we stay the course in this moment? Because I want to see people set free. I want to see them stay free. And, and that's what's possible in Jesus. And he's raising us up to actually raise up the next generation to actually and, and raise up even our current generation around us in this moment. But we can only do that, not just when we get free, but when we stay free. So what I want to talk about today is feasting on truth. I want to talk about what it looks like to continually feast on truth, continually build, fill yourself with God, with the truth of God, because we're coming into these moments, and I don't have to preach on repentance because it's happening, right? Like, honestly, I've seen so, much, so many things breaking open, like, weeks and weeks back. I actually wrote this sermon before Firestorm, and I, I'm seeing, like, these, this repentance breaking open where we're rending our heart. The Lord's showing us what's going on. We're repenting. We're getting deliverance and freedom, but then how do we walk from that place on? So that's what I'm going to hit on today. Um, so I want to get the repentance stuff like taking care of early on because repentance is really important and if we don't repent you don't even create a space for this freedom to come in like and and by repent I mean change the way you think I mean 
by repent, I mean you see something that's off in your life, and you bring it to the Lord, and you say, God, like, this is not how I want to think. This is not what I want to do. I choose to think differently. I choose to act differently. And when you do that, yeah, you might feel bad. You might feel kind of dumpy, like, but then you, re- you receive his forgiveness. His forgiveness comes and washes you clean. And it's in that moment then you know you can keep going back to him. That you know, even when anything else comes up in my life, I can keep going back. As long as I repent, repent and bring it to him, I'm going to be okay. And you can constantly enter in with him. And, it, and, and the strength of that relationship that comes from the cycle of repentance and going into the Lord is essential to walk it out long term, right? So, so I'm talking about the intake of truth, the daily intake of truth, growing in the knowledge of God. I'm talking about us understanding righteousness, by understanding truth, you're also discerning good and evil. And we should always be growing in our discernment of good and evil. Because we're really growing in the things, knowing the things God loves and the things God hates. And, and it's just like I grow with my wife. It's in my relationship. As we, as we grow together, more and more I understand what she likes and what she doesn't like. And as we grow in the Lord, more and more we understand what's right and what's wrong, what he desires and what he doesn't. And so that's this journey that we're on. And... I can tell you just from a personal level, I, um, I've had these moments where I recognize that something is, something is off in me. These moments where I recognize that there's something in my daily life that needs to change and needs to shift. I'm, I'm feasting on something funky. Um, and for me, it often comes with these waves of anxiety, these waves of fear. And it often comes when I find, when I'm in a circumstance where that shifts and all of a sudden I get, I get shaken. I get shifted, and it's like, what is that? So, uh, so a year or two ago, Vanessa and I, we had our first daughter, um, Fern, and it was a really hard season on us, and the work I was doing, I had a lot of pressure. I was in fundraising, and I had to, like, deliver and raise, in, you know, raise money in these certain timelines, and we're going through this season of pressing, and I am feeling so anxious and hopeless, and... And we're just confused, too, about raising kids. Like, Vanessa's, you know, feeling, having a lot of depression coming out. You, the postpartum depression is a real thing. And, and I'm not able, I don't feel equipped to be with her in that moment. And I'm not doing my best to engage with her and love her in that place. So I am just all over the place in terms of what's happening in my life. And I come to Bill and Tammy, and I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. I feel hopeless. I feel anxious. I'm overwhelmed. Like, what's, what's wrong with me? Like, what is happening to me? These circumstances are eating me up. And when we get to those moments, like, it's, that's not the place to start doubting who, got, who you are in God or your identity, right? It's the place to say, what, am I, what has gotten me to this place? What is happening? Like, what do I need to change and shift? So when you repent and say, God, I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of hopelessness. I don't know what to do. It's there where Holy Spirit will come and meet you and speak to you. And he'll deliver you in the moment of anxiety and fear and hopelessness, but he'll also give you a strategy to walk in continual freedom. And I don't want us to stop at that point of deliverance. And, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. We can't stop when we get, the break, when we get that one breakthrough because there's so much more. It's a starting point, not a like. So we release the testimony, but then the testimony is like a year later, like two years later. I didn't have Nick release his testimony till nine months later because th- that's when the testimony really is because, all right, now we're walking it out. Like, it's not just a flash in the pan. We are burning people of God, and that's how we have to operate. And, and I, I really believe for us to be the, 
the generation that carries on. So for me to like be a part of carrying what Sal and Jules and Tammy and Bill have stewarded, like we, we've got to be able to, to walk it out long term and, and keep, keep truth and keep God, the intimacy of the Lord at, at the forefront daily, daily, daily. And God's pouring out so tremendously on Friday. If you weren't here this past Friday, we, it just went on and on and on. And you're, you're hearing different testimonies, people giving their life to the Lord, people, stuff just happening. And it's, that's going to continue, right? Like, so if you're like, oh, I missed Friday, just come back next Friday. Like, it's, you're going to be fine. Um, but as that pours out, like, we can get into a state of we just love that so much, and we just think that's my, that's my bread. That's going to sustain me. It's not. It's not going to sustain us. It actually is like, it's is just a part of what God's doing. So what I want to talk about today is the daily. And when we do the daily, when we engage with the Lord daily, when you get to Friday, you don't come, you don't come in like with an emergency sign saying, I need help. I hope, I hope the Lord comes or else I'm in trouble. You come in and you get even more and then you dish it out on everyone in the room. So it's continual prayer, continual worship, continual intimacy. And Friday is just a spillover. And, and that's the way it's going to look. Like, I'm telling you, this is the season that we're in. Um, we've been called to something higher and greater than we fully realize. And I think when we, when we see that, I'm seeing that for myself, I won't let anything sneak in and steal it. Like, I'll start to guard my heart and guard, like, what I see and what I look at and what I do at a much higher level of, of uh, vigilance. Because I realize the call of my life and that if I don't steward those things, I may not see the things that God wants to produce in my life, in our generation. I may not see it. And that's the cold, hard truth. And I think that truth is, is important to get across. Um, so, so for me, going back to this moment, right, with my anxiety and my fear, the issue for me was I didn't have the daily devotion. I didn't have that daily taking in of the Lord. And my anxiety and fear was really stemming from I'm trying to perform and work every day. I'm, I'm kind of basically trying to keep afloat, right? I'm constantly trying to perform at work. And if I don't perform, my boss, you know, looks bad on me. My whole world is crashing down. So any form of responsibility now became my identity is on the line. And we can't live like that. No wonder I felt so anxious. Like every day, if I don't lead, if I don't get an affirmation from my boss or from Bill or from whoever, it's like I'm, my identity is on the line. That is, that is a really scary place to be in. And I think we often can find ourselves there not knowingly. And, we're, and where is this anxiety? Where is this fear? It's because there's no intimacy. It's because there's no daily devotion. It's because we don't, we're not hearing from God who we are, so we're letting circumstances and people tell us who we are. And that, my friends, is a path of destruction. We will never be able to walk out the things of God. And it's so easy to do, and it's so hidden, and you'll never see it. You could do it for years. And, and you won't see the results. But one day the results will come out and you won't be able to fulfill what God, what God has for your life. Um, so how do we take in and process information? That's, that's part of what I want to talk about because that's, I think, part of the issue is we're taking things in that we shouldn't ever allow in. And certainly, you know, in the information age that we live in, there's a lot of things. We've got to have more blockers than anybody ever had to have, right? We've got more things vying for our attention than any people in the history of the world has ever had to deal with. But God's equipped us for it. And I actually think that's why we're going to burn more for Jesus than anybody ever has. Because we have to. <laughs> we have to. And, it, and in fact, it's going to reveal the glory of God because we choose Jesus, right? You have so many choices. Other people didn't have this many. We've got, we've got a whole buffet. 
I choose Jesus. I choose to feed off of him. I choose to engage with him. I choose to put my time, my attention, my money, every, my life into him. And when you do that, everything shifts and people start to break in a good way. <laughs> um, so I think about like this whole idea of feasting, right? And I think of like, like you might get a, let, let's just use this analogy, right? We, we're, we're a prophetic house here. We'll, we'll speak words um, over people that we feel um, in their futuristic words, right? That's why they're prophetic. Um, and we make sure that they're encouraging, like that's a key part of our, our teaching and our training. Um, but if you get a word and you're not living this daily life of feasting on him, of engaging with him, you're going to be really confused. You're going to be really confused um, because those words, like, they often they're attached to our walk with the Lord, to our intimacy. If I have a performance mentality and somebody gives me a prophetic word about doing, you know, running some great business and doing it, I'm going to go try to do that thing <laughs> as opposed to go into the Lord and, A, ask him about it and ask, is this right? Is this of you? And, B, actually have the, the partnership of heaven with me to actually walk into that, Right? So if we're not daily feasting, we shouldn't even be doing the prophetic. Like, we shouldn't, even, uh, we shouldn't even do that because we're not going to interpret what God's saying, right? But we're a house that does feast daily. We're a house that does engage with the Lord. So that's why we have prophetic ministry, because we can healthily discern. Um, but I think of, like, if you had a vision, let's say you're, you're, you have a vision of being this, like, you know, great bodybuilder, right? And, the Lord get, and you get a prophetic word, like, you know, you're going to be a great bodybuilder. You're going to have this, like, awesome you know, you're going to be like the, um, I don't, I'm not into bodybuilding, so I don't really know what the, like, creme de la creme of bodybuilding is. What is it? Right, you're going to be like Ronnie Coleman, whoever that is. Um, so we're going to be like that. And, and it's like, if I get that word right, but then every day I'm going to McDonald's. Like, every day, like, I am, like, you know, just on my lunch break, I'm just going to the Chinese buffet and just, like, digging in. It's like, and not working out, like, that word's not going to come, you know, that word's not going to come to pass. Like, it's not. Like, and, and I probably don't, I'm not even truly believing the word. Like, because my daily life doesn't reflect the call of God on my life. And so what we feast and what we do is directly correlated to what we're actually going to become. Now, God, in his mercy and in his power, right, we can, we can eat McDonald's for like three years and all of a sudden God like shifts us. And by his grace, we start eating differently and then, the, and then things actually come to pass, right? So there's grace and forgiveness, but this daily walk is so key. It's so key. Um, so I want to read Proverbs 2. This is verse 1 through 5. And I got a lot of scripture, but we'll see. I might be, um, I'm going to hop around a little bit, but we're going to start with this. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. And I'm going to reading from a New King James Version. So all my scripture, New King, New King James. My son, if you might receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand what? The fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, I love this verse um, because it's, even in the first part, treasure his commands. Treasure his commands. Like, I have a breakthrough. I have a moment, and God's doing stuff, and that's so real. But when I treasure his commands daily, I can walk out what he did in me. 
when I treasure it, so that you may incline your ear to wisdom. God does something, and it's, and it's beautiful, and it draws me to him. I got to then, after that, keep inclining my ear to wisdom. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? God, what do I do? Like, how do I walk out what you've done in my life? How, what, what are you saying next? It's, it's this, he's drawing us in because it's this daily thing, because it's about relationship, right? It's not even about us fulfilling this thing. It's about the relationship, and we're drawn close to him. And apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment. It doesn't say if you ask. It says if you cry out. It's an asking, but with more, more urgency, right? <laughs> with more hunger involved. I'm crying out for discernment. God, show me. God, show me what you're doing. And lift up your voice for understanding. God, I want understanding. Father, I, I got healed of this thing, but what do you want me to do with that? God, God, my family's coming back together, and what does that mean? Like, what, what, is, what is our responsibility now? How do we walk this out? And then it says, you will understand the fear of the Lord, which is, another verse of Proverbs, say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to fear the Lord. It's really healthy and important to fear the Lord. And when you fear the Lord, it doesn't mean you're just, like, afraid to do stuff. Like, that, that's not what it is. It means that you understand he's holy, he's good, he's righteous, and you want to do his ways. And, and you're fearful of not doing his ways because there's a consequence to not doing his ways. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about not fulfilling what God has on your life. I'm talking about he, when you fear him, you trust him. When you fear him, you listen to his word above everything else, every other noise, every other thing. So I think that word sometimes throws us, but it's so key. It's a source of wisdom to fear him, to fear him, um, and find the knowledge of God. I want the knowledge of God. He's safe. He's loving. He's good. I want to know more about that God. Sometimes we get trained up to think God's a certain way, and if, if you don't want the knowledge of God, you don't know who he is. And I can tell you, I, I didn't know who he was, is for a while, even when I began walking with the Lord. And people would tell me to press in and go after more. It was kind of scary. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to get when I press into God. But he's, he's good. He's approachable. He's loving. He's kind. He has your best interest in heart. Knowing that that's who he is, you want more knowledge. You want more of him because he's for you, not against you. Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. When the Lord speaks, and you know he's speaking, we got to give heed to that. We have to give time to that. We got to give attention to that. Because what we don't want is to drift away. And isn't drifting such a, like, it's an interesting word choice. Like, drifting, you don't really know, right? You just kind of, like, you've been out in the water on a boat, and, like, and you're not paying attention. Like, I fish, or I used to until I moved to New York. Now I don't fish. But, like, you're out in the boat, and, like, and you're just talking to somebody, and you're just having, a, you know, a good time. And then and then all of a sudden you look, and you're like, oh, my gosh, where'd the other boat go? Like, where are my friends? Like, where's, you know, you, you're, totally, you're totally gone. Like, you're, you're way over. And it's much, it's scary because you didn't realize it was going to happen. But, so drifting is something that, is something that we, we can't miss. And I'm going to hit on a little bit more, but community is where it is what huge help because the community says, hey, Colt, where are you going? Like what? Oh, oh my gosh, my boat, my boat is moving. <laughs> so when, when you have community that you actually can, can there can be correction quicker 
um, versus if you're just, you know, out in the boat, like daydreaming with the Lord, but not having somebody else alongside you. Um, thank you. I'll, I'll get, so I'll get to more of that. Um, actually, I'm going to jump. So I just want to say this real quick before we jump a little further. Uh, Jesus, he models this lifestyle of feasting on truth. He models it. So that I'm not just talking about like nice ways of living. I'm talking about something Jesus walked out day in, day out. It's Jesus who we follow. It's Jesus who set us free. It's Jesus who, who paid for our sins, who rose from the dead, and has given us the ability actually to follow him. So the Holy Spirit actually gives us this ability. So I don't want you to take from today is like, oh, man, like every day Colt's saying now I have to really like seek him and dig in. It's like, no, say, Holy Spirit, I know you're good. Father God, I know you're good. If, I don't, if you don't desire him, God, give me desire. Like, like let's, let's do that. Like, instead of just trying to be more disciplined, let's say, God, I know you're loving. I, I felt that on Sunday. I felt your love. I want to feel that Monday. I want to feel that Tuesday. I want to feel that Wednesday. So, so I just, I, I, I want to I quote here Matthew 4. So Matthew 4, 1 is when Jesus was being tempted. It says, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Makes sense. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. So the devil comes to him and he immediately tries to hit that need in his heart with, with a temptation that he could, would, you know, potentially jump after, right? He's hungry. But he answered, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds the mouth of God. See, he was living off the words of the Lord. And even when he had a physical need, even when his circumstances created a physical need, he didn't take the bait. And, and the enemy will try to come and speak right to that need, whether it's a relational need, whether it's a monetary need, whether it's a, you know, I don't have the career I want need. Wherever there's a need where you feel there's a gap, he'll try to come speak to that and lure you to start giving that time, giving that attention. Oh, I need more money. I got to give, give that time. Oh, I need, I need a better career. I need better status. I'm going to give that time and attention instead of the Lord. All those things are worth time and attention, but is that our focus? Is that what we're worshiping? Are we allowed those things to come in? I was allowing my status and how I looked in the, in the eyes of men to come in and steal what God wanted from me, to steal that intimacy, that daily devotion. That's ultimately what I was doing. I was saying, I care more about how my boss thinks about me. I care more about Bill and Tammy think about me. I care more about what my wife thinks than I care about knowing you. And it's because of fear of man creeped into my life, and I didn't catch it. I was drifting. And Bill came to me and said, what are you doing? Get out of there. Come back over here. Like, get out. Bring your boat over here and just get in the Lord. You're good, man. You're good. Like, this doesn't mean you're crazy or you're off. It means that you're a human being and you're dealing with anxiety, and you got to come back and trust the Lord. He's, he's there. His arms are open. Just come back. Um, so John 6, 35 uh, through 40 uh, gives you a little more insight into how Jesus lived and how he viewed his, his coming, right, his coming on the earth. Jesus said to them, this is uh, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst these are strong words never 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 hunger never thirst when we hunger and thirst we have to know that he satisfies we have to know that 
something must be off if we're hungering and thirsting the wrong things or if we're filling it. Something must be off because we never hunger, we never thirst in him. It doesn't mean you go, go through hard things. It doesn't mean you don't have grief. It doesn't mean you don't have emotional instability at times. Let me tell you, I've been emotionally unstable at times. My wife will tell you. But it means that in that place of need, he is what satisfies. He is where we go. He is where we go. Uh, and to just keep reading down there a bit, um, this is verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. See how available he is? Like, that should give you courage. Like, that should give you courage to come and embrace him, to receive life. He's not saying, come and be disciplined, come and do the things I'm telling you. He's saying, come and embrace me. I will not cast you out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And see, when we walk in the daily devotion, we feast on truth, we'll do his will. We won't get so caught up in ours. And Jesus shows us it's possible. <laughs> it's totally possible. No, when we don't do his will, we just repent and try again. <laughs> just repent, try again. Like, if you fail, just go back, repent, try again. This is not, we're not dealing with an abusive, mad father. We're dealing with a loving father. Get up, try again. When my kids, when they stumble and fail, that's what I tell them. I, I, don't, I don't curse at them. I don't get mad at them. I don't say, now, now go to your room. We're not going to talk. That's not what happens. How much more so is God like that with us? This is the will. This is verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. You love the security of the Father, the confidence of a Father. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. That's his will. That's his heart. That's his desire. So I want to go through three, three keys to feasting on truth, right? I'm talking about a lot. How do, we, how do we do it? Like, what's it look like? I'm going to get a little practical. Um, the first one is one that we can't stress enough, knowing the word of God, knowing his word, knowing his word. I'm talking about the written word. You, you want to also know what he's saying and doing, but the, without the written word, you can't know what he's saying and doing. You, you might hear him, but you're not, you're not sure how to apply it. Or you might hear him, and then you, you, you go, and you do the drift thing. You're like, oh, shoot, now I've got the wrong interpretation. Jesus, help. Um, so I believe part of what's happened to at least my generation, the millennials, is the lack of knowledge of the word has, has hindered our ability to go the long haul, to run the race. It's hindered it. So we become these flashes in the pan, right? And I'm not prophesying that because I actually believe the correction is coming now because the fathers and the mothers, they, they help us, right, <laughs> to, to walk the course. But I believe our lack of knowledge of the word is what has kept us from, from seeing some more things, even now, even in this point in time where we're receiving, you know, this, this mantle and this inheritance. And there's still time to increase that knowledge. There's still time. And I'm preaching to myself, let me tell you. I'm preaching to myself. Um, to know the word also requires a level of intimacy. So when you, it's not just to read it and to memorize it. It's to engage with God as you read it. It's to ask these questions, right, like Proverbs 2. It's to inquire, to try to, to gain understanding. So reading the word is not just Bible memorization. Memorize it, yes, 
but gain understanding. Seek him. It's a book that leads to a man. It's a book that leads to God, not just a manual about who he is. It's a, it's, it's a pathway to him as a person. And so that, that when I say know the word, I mean that as well. <laughs> and, uh, and when you get in the Bible and you're not feeling it, keep reading. Like, keep reading. It's like, oh, I'm not having this moment. Like, keep reading. You will. Keep seeking. Keep Proverbs 2. Keep cry out for understanding. Cry out for discernment. Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Oh, this was written so long ago. Oh, I don't even know if I can trust this. Keep reading. Keep crying out. Ask others. Like, keep going. Because he will pour out through his word. It's a promise. I'll say this. I, this is my hypothesis. Actually, I think this is true. I'll just say it's true. Um, I really believe, it's not in the Bible, but I believe it's true. Your biblical, liter- your biblical literacy is so tied to your potential. I really believe that. So, once again, thus says me, not the Bible, but I believe that is true. And I've, I've seen it so much. And it makes sense. He says to meditate on the word. I mean, Bill just read, you know, this verse out of Joshua about meditating on the word and the importance of that. And when you think like that, it's like when you have the fear of the Lord, it's like, oh, like, man, like, I might not be able to fulfill the things God has for me today if I don't get in the word. Like, because I won't know what to do. Holy Spirit will come and just, you know, start doing crazy stuff. But I won't know how to act because I don't know God because I don't know his word. So, it's, it's so critical for us. Um, Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The word cuts through. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. This is when it starts to get a little scary. There's nobody hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We must give account. You will give account before the Lord. This is true. You will give account for your life before the Lord. Whoa. Okay. Now, let's read the second part. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, this is verse 14, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those two verses, side by side, that matters. (laughs) That's important. <laughs> side by side. You're going to give account before the Lord, but he is so engaging. He is so ready. Come before the throne of grace. And it's those truths that we have to weigh. We have to know we're going to give an account. This is real. We have to fear God. We have to fear how we spend our life. What we do with our life is important. It matters. You gotta, you're going to be accountable to him for it. But you're entering a throne of grace, a God of mercy. Those two truths, hold them both. Don't ever drop either one. Because if not, we're in deception. Just to have one of those truths and not the other, you're in deception. And that's why we got to read the word. Because without the word, you could, you, could, you, could, uh, you could be really strong on one and not the other, and you got a problem. I think I've been on either end of that at different points in my life. But it's both. And I'm trying to get there now. Um, number two. 
was a long number one. What was number one again? Knowing the word of God. That's right. That's number one. See, written word of God. Thank you. See, Monique, she takes the notes here. I don't even need my own notes. Um, number two, worship and prayer. If we're going to feast, you got to have worship and prayer continually in your life. Friday worship, Sunday worship is amazing, but your own personal worship, your own personal time. And it doesn't have to look like a worship set. It doesn't have to look like that. Your life is a form of you're worshiping all the time. When you go to your work and your job, so many of you here are, are workplace chaplains. You're not, you don't have the title, but that's what you're called to do, right? When you're doing your work excellent, you are worshiping the Lord in that. And when you're giving him praise in what you're doing and partnering with him, that's worship. That is totally worship. And enjoy him in that moment. Enjoy him and don't, and realize what you're doing, you know. Um, so, yes, we need to sing. Yes, we need to give praise. And that is 100% necessary in that, too. But worship is way beyond that. So I'm going to read two quick verses here. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And other, other verses or other translations call it your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. See, once again, you see the clarity that comes from you presenting your body as a living sacrifice? Those two are connected. You present him, and then the clarity comes. Oh, now I know good and evil. Oh, now I, I can prove what is good and acceptable. Why? Because I gave my body as a living sacrifice. Because I worshipped him with everything I had. It brings clarity. It brings knowledge of God when we, do, when we worship the Lord. Um, Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish. But understand that the will, what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. That's what we're seeking out. God, what's your will? What are you saying? What are you doing? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord. Man, worship looks like worshiping him when things really suck. That is more powerful. That is more productive worship. <laughs> so if, you come on, if, if you're in your room and you had a terrible day when you worship him, boy, stuff's going to shift even faster then because that's real worship. If you had a great day, Worship him too, but that's just easier. <laughs> it really is easier. So when things are going hard, when you worship the Lord, it brings you in. It, you get your daily bread from him. You feast on him. And when you do that, it's, worship is so key because it does, it shifts the atmosphere. It'll shift your home. It'll shift mindsets. Like worship is a massive, massive tool. And, and that's why we, you know, we really value worship here. We really want to have more worshipers just operating and, and hearing from the Lord and these people up here, they give their, they give their heart to the Lord. You're, you're not only like getting their, their, it's not just the words and the melodies. It's, it's their life that they're presenting on this stage to us. It is a, so when you worship, it's so crazy. It like, it shifts you, but it shifts everything around you. And I just want to encourage you, um, yeah, this is, this is how we feast, especially in the hard times. All right, I'm about to land the plane. Number three, this is the last one. 
Stay connected. If you want to feast off the word, if you want to feast off the Lord, you have to stay connected to the family of God. You have to stay connected to the family of God. You have to stay connected to the family of God. If you don't, you will not be able to, you will not be able to discern and receive from the Lord the way he's made you to discern and receive. And you know why? Because he designed it that way. So talk to him about it. It's weird. I know. It's like, God, why don't you just give me, why don't you just give me all the truth when I'm with you? But he'll only give you in part. And he'll bring other people to bring other parts. And other people will reveal his mercy and his grace to you when you might not even feel it from him. And you say, God, I don't feel anything from you. God, like, what are you saying and doing? Maybe the answer is to get around other people, to get in the body. And then you're going to see it. You're going to feel it from a from a human being, and that's God speaking, and that's how, he does, that's how he chooses to work, and that to me used to be so weird. I said, God, why don't you just give it to me? He'd be like, nope, go to, go to Jason, go to Ryan, go there. I'm like, just tell me what I need. He's like, go there. He's like, because he, his heart is that we could be connected, that we could be one, just as Jesus and God the Father are one, that we would be one. That is the will of God. That is a crazy will. That is an amazing dream that is being fulfilled because God's will will be fulfilled. He's a sovereign God. It will happen, and we're a part of it. Um, I'll say on this last point, I think, I do think if we're not in community, your discernment will be impacted. Um, and I've seen that for myself. When, when, God, when things happen that are confusing, and I'm bringing them to the Lord, but I don't bring them to other people as well, I can get, I can do things that I don't want to do. I can, I can get so confused. Um, so I, I want to encourage you, like, if you feel like you're lacking discernment, ask the Lord first. Yes. Ask, ask those that you trust, like those in your family. And if you don't have a family, you need to get in one. There's a great family right here. <laughs> you're looking at some beautiful people here. Um, I want to say, too, you know, we talk about having this, this mothering and fathering generation. To be mothered and to be fathered requires submission. Man, that word is not, this culture didn't like that word. People don't like that word. I don't even like that word. But, like, that's what it requires. Like, my kids come under my authority, right? They have to submit to me. Like, it doesn't mean that I, I make them do everything, like, or I say, oh, you want peanut butter and jelly? Heck with you. You're going to eat, you know, cabbage all day. It's like, I don't, like, I, I don't act that way towards them, right? You can submit to to leaders in the body, to leaders to leaders that are hearing from God, that, but they're also imperfect, right? And Bill talked about this the last two weeks, talking about honor, being under imperfect leaders. And, and certainly in your workplace, you're not going to be under somebody necessarily that is flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, right? <laughs> they might be flowing in a lot of other things, um, but not in the gifts. So this, this concept, though, of submission, it, it's not just for the church. It's for every part of your life. It's for, it's for government. It's for your boss and your workplace. It's for in your home. It's for everywhere, and, and we have to submit to really walk in community. I mean, even that's what really community is. It's like I'm coming in, and I'm giving my time, my energy, but knowing that things, things are going to get messy. Relationships are going to get messy. So there's, there's such power in it, and there's such truth. It's worth it. It's worth entering in. Um, worship team, could you guys come up? Um, I want to say, too, on the concept of, of community and family, you know, I think in this house we have a lot of really strong relationships, and, and, we, and we, there's a lot of, like, cr- 
beautiful gift sets in this house as well of, of bringing people in, of loving people. And it's like when we do that as well, there's something about we have to make sure that we're embracing them but not embracing certain things, those lies, those deceptions that they're operating in. So part of being in community is also learning how to, like, love people but not and discern but not take on their stuff, you know, how to take those things to Jesus. And I, I think we're in this season of growth in the church where it's like there's so much more vulnerability within this community, and we got to learn how to get in the ditch with people and then get them out of the ditch. And, and I want to encourage you, like, if you're, if you're good at getting in the ditch and not getting out, God's going to teach you. And if you're good at, like, staying out of the ditch and yelling people to come up, you need to get humbled and get in that ditch. And you'll get them up. You just got to get in there. <laughs> so please get in the ditch and please get out of the ditch, right? That's, that's the message. It's a little confusing. But the point being, in community, when you submit yourself to community, you're also allowing people's lives. It's messy. It gets on you. But you have to remain in truth, right? You have to remain connected or else you can't even pull them out. Or you can't even reach down because you're like, ah, heck with this guy, man. This is like, this is, this is so terrible. I can't even get down there. That's not right either. That's not true either. So, God, we thank you that you are giving us, you're giving us humility and courage for these relationships that we're entering into. So, if everybody could, uh, could you please stand. Um, I want to create a space here for us to respond because the whole point of this is not about a flash in the pan right the whole point is about the long term right the whole point is about running the race the whole point is about walking out in our identity and walking in the fullness of everything that God's promised for us of fearing him of loving good and, and hating evil but God I thank you that even in this moment even in this space father you're releasing courage on your bride. You're releasing faith. You're revealing lies. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak truth. We invite you to come and have your way. Come have your way. I really feel like the miracle that's, that's happening right now in this moment is he's softening our hearts. He's softening our hearts. He's softening our hearts to receive daily to love him, to know him. Jesus, I thank you that you're worthy. I thank you that you're for us, not against us. And as we go into this, into this worship song in this time, I just encourage you, just keep setting your praise on him. That's how we displace lies. That's how we allow him to come and move. God, we surrender. We say, we say yes. Just put your hands up and say, I surrender. Holy Spirit, I surrender. Come have your way. Come be. Come, come make, come dwell in me even more. Come fill every part of my heart. Every part. Every part is yours. You are worthy, Jesus.